We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 this morning. 1 Thessalonians 2, you follow along with me as I read. I'm going to start in verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. The Bible says this, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. We are trying, endeavoring, attempting to raise up a generation of servants for the Lord Jesus Christ. We desire for you to go into the ministry. We desire for you to stay in the ministry. We desire for you to keep on in the ministry, stay with the same stand and the same position. It's not nearly as easy as it sounds when you just rattle it off like that. It's a challenge. It's difficult. But I want to suggest to you this morning, and this is the title of my message, we want you to go in the ministry and stay in the ministry and continue in the ministry because there is joy in serving Jesus. There is joy in serving Jesus. Sometimes we talk about the battles. Sometimes we talk about the difficulties. Sometimes we talk about the heartaches and the challenges, all of which are real all of which you will experience. And so maybe sometimes we don't spend enough on this just simple little thought. There is joy in serving Jesus. There's joy in doing what God has called you to do. The Apostle Paul in his writings, and we could survey them all, and there's so many passages, but I think this passage to me highlights how much he cared about those folks at Thessalonica, and he ends with that simple verse in verse 20, for ye are our glory and joy. He rejoiced in the Lord in how God had used him to be a blessing to reach people. Now, uh, you're going to run into a lot of people in the ministry, uh, other people in the ministry, lay people in the ministry, people you're trying to reach. And sometimes some of those folks can be very discouraging or very discouraged. And they can consequently be discouraging to you. 
and uh, they can get attached to you and you can get attached to them and you can become a complainer and you can uh, become a, have a complaining spirit. But you know something? There's just joy in serving Jesus. You know, just that simple thing that God has called us to serve Him, to preach, to reach people, to be a blessing, to stand in the gap. There's a joy there. There's a blessing there. And we never want to forget that. There's a hymn. <clears throat> we sing it often. I really like it. The title of the hymn is When We See Christ, and it has this line, It will be worth it all when we see Christ. That's a true statement. But can I just tell you, it's worth it all right now. This life, this life of serving the Lord and living for the Lord Jesus Christ is worth it right now. Right now. It'll be worth it all in the future, absolutely. But we're not in the future. We're in it right now. You can survey the world. You can look at what sin does to people. You can look at people that started out living for the Lord and went down a wrong road, got into sin, left the Lord, left living for the Lord. And you can ask them, are you like having a good time? Now, they're going to say they're having a good time, but the truth is they're not having a good time. Let me just tell you this. There, it will be worth it all one day, but it's worth it all right now every day. Because we have the blessing and the privilege of serving the Lord Jesus Christ. In the future, as you serve the Lord, the blessings will outweigh the burdens. Boy, there's going to be some burdens that you're going to have to carry. I like that song that says, we'll lay our burden down. But you're going to have to carry some burdens. But the blessings will outweigh the burdens. The triumphs will be more than the trials. There'll be some trials. God's going to have to shape you and mold you. Uh, there'll be some difficult times. God is not doing that to hurt you. He's trying to help you. He's trying to make you better. He's trying to strengthen you. All of us in our nature, in our flesh, are going to try to run away from every single trial we've ever been in. Some of you have spent your entire life running away from trials and anything that's difficult or hard, and you're going to be in the ministry, and it's going to be hard to get away from them. But God is going to teach you something through those trials. But the triumphs in the ministry are more than the trials. The souls are greater than the sorrows. There'll be a lot of things to cry over in the ministry. There'll be a lot of heartache. If you care about people, some people get around that because they don't care about anybody but themselves. But if you really care about people, but don't ever forget that the souls are greater than the sorrows. Number four, the answers to prayer outweigh the antagonists. There'll be a lot of answers to prayer. God will do a great work. And lastly, just an introduction, the cause will outweigh the criticisms. It will be worth it all when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face, all sorrow will erase. Right now, it's worth it all right now. I want you to look at the text with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I want to point out to you five specific blessings that teach me that <clears throat> there is joy in serving Jesus. Here's the Apostle Paul, faithful servant, verse 13, says this, For this cause, what cause? Well, I think the cause goes back to verse 12, Walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory, to serve the Lord. Verse 12, really the purpose for the verses before that, but verse 13, For this cause also... Thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not 
as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. First blessing is people accept the word. They accept the word of God. That's just something exciting about that. I remember one time we had a missionary. He's on deputation in our church. I had never met him before. He just comes in and he just had a line that was just so great. It was just so classic. He said, he said, you know what? He said, you'll just have to forgive me. He said, but he said, I understand people talk about how deputation's hard and difficult. He said, but he said, just forgive me just for a second. He said, I'm just so new to this. I'm just really enjoying it. And he said, I'm so new to it, I'm still rejoicing in the blessing that the last church we're in, somebody got saved. And the church before that, somebody surrendered to go into the Lord's work full time. He said, I know it's going to be hard. I know our car's going to break down. I know we're going to be stuck someplace. I know we're going to be, have to sleep on a couch for three weeks or something like that. But he said, just right now, he said, just don't wake me up. I'm having a good time. You know, I said to myself, I think I want to support that guy. I love somebody that can say, you know what? Here is just a simple truth. And what the Apostle Paul says there in verse 13, it's just such a classic line. He says, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. That's, the, that's an evidence of God working through us, God using us. We get up to preach a book. You and I know it's the Bible. It's the word of God. Uh, unsaved people don't understand that. They don't get that. They think it's just another book that was written. They look at it differently. They understand it differently. Obviously, God is going to have to use us. God is going to have to work through us for anything to happen. But the first blessing is that when you preach, people accept it. They received it. Notice the very last phrase in verse 13. He said, it says in verse 13, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. In other words, it's effective. They're growing. They're making decisions. I mean, here's the blessing. God's called us to the ministry. God's called us to do something for him. And he gives us a book. And of course, we're here for training. We have all kinds of things, all kinds of helps. But you just get up. It's you and the Bible. And then people hear it and they go like, that's right, that's good. What a blessing. You know, what a challenge for us to take the word of God and to use it in people's lives. The great missionaries of decades, centuries past went to places where they labored for years and years and years before anybody responded. Sometimes in America, we can probably say the same thing of different places. You can labor a long time before anybody responds. But eventually, some light breaks through. And we can say just with the Apostle Paul, you received it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. What a blessing that God would use us in his work. Second blessing I see is in verse 14. See it with me? It says in verse 14, For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. Not only do they accept the word, verse 13, but they followed the word, verse 14. I see in that word follow a, a, a commitment, a, a long-term decision. Some people describe discipleship or obedience or faithfulness is a long-term obedience in one direction, the right direction. That's a good description of it. But, but faithfulness, obedience, 
Not just one decision, not just a decision that lasted a little bit of time. We've unfortunately seen people like that. But I think verses 13 and 14 are describing people that have made decisions and continued with them, stayed faithful to the Lord, stayed true to the Word of God, stayed true to what God is doing in their heart and life. You guys are all products of good churches where somebody preached, uh, of classrooms where somebody taught, and uh, you've stayed with it. Now we send you out into a world. Uh, it's going to be a little nasty out there. It's going to be a little confrontational out there. Uh, the message that we hold to here, not highly accepted out there. But can I just say the people that will receive it, verse 13, and the people that will follow it, they're a blessing. They are a blessing. I don't know, in every little church dotted across the Midwest, Nebraska, where I grew up in Minnesota, I just see people that in one little church have been faithful for decade after decade after decade after decade. I look at them and it's just like, how do, you, how do some of you folks keep going? We were in a church. Uh, we've gone to this church every time we've been on the Nebraska mission trip. It's in Iowa. We only go to a couple of Iowa churches. We've got to draw a strict line there. But anyway, that's a, little, that's a little Midwest humor. You don't get it. But if you're in Nebraska, you would get it. Whatever your border state is, you've got jokes about them. But it's all right. We're all still saved. We're going to heaven. But anyway, and there's this little church, and there's like 13 there on a Sunday morning, not counting us. I mean, they've redone the building. They're just, they're trying to, they're doing a good work. You know what I mean? And we had Sunday school and the Sunday morning service, and we were having <clears throat> my favorite part of the ministry, the food and fellowship time, amen? And a uh, lady came up to me and she said, she's got tears in her eyes. And she said, thank you for coming. She said, we don't get many visitors here. And I said to her, thank you for staying faithful. Not too many people would stay faithful in a church like this. They at one time didn't have a pastor for three and a half years. And they still just kept on meeting. They were one time down to five people. And they just kept on going. I said, don't thank me, thank you. You stayed by the stuff. I think there's a lot of people can be faithful in the churches running two, three, four, five hundred and being faithful there. I understand that. There's a little bit of excitement, a lot of things going on. I appreciate it. I like it. But every church isn't like that. And we need some people that will just say, I'm going to follow no matter what. There is joy in serving Jesus. There is joy in serving Jesus and seeing God work in people's hearts and lives and seeing what God can do in somebody's life. There's two churches in Nebraska. One was started by a guy, a young guy. He had a good start. He was in a town of about 4,000 and they were running about 20 Sunday morning. In Nebraska, I mean, he was off to a great start. He'd only been there about 18 months. And uh, things, in my estimation, I thought they were going great. He thought they were going terrible. And he quit. He quit the church, got up, got up. He told some preachers on a Saturday night. They said, don't quit, don't stop. He didn't listen to them. He got up Sunday morning, shut the church down. Monday morning, he packed up, went back to his home, Last time I knew he hadn't even been back to church. Yeah, and there's just something about people that quit. I know this is a generalization, but it's a generalization I've seen true a lot of times. It's like some people that quit, they just, they quit everything. 
at the same time that church I was running 20, where the pastor got discouraged and quit, I knew there was a church about two hours away where on Sunday morning they had about 12. And that pastor was just excited to be preaching, excited to keep on serving the Lord. First blessing is they accepted the word. The second blessing is they followed the word. Thirdly, would you see with me? Read a cup, follow with me as I read. Verse 15 is where we want to start. Let's start in the last part of verse 14. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. Now verse 17. But we, brethren being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Here's the third blessing of the ministry, and the blessing is the closeness of the people in that ministry. Read the words here of what the Apostle Paul says. Now, the Apostle Paul was not a pastor. He was a missionary. He was a church planter. He traveled around. He never stayed one place very long, but let me just, let's read these words. But we, brethren, verse 17, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart. In other words, our heart is still there. My heart still cares about you. I'm still, I still care about you in that church. Endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. There's just something about the work of God. There's something about churches, New Testament churches, the New Testament principle of fellowship. There's just something about the work of God, the church of God, that is amazing what God can do. He can bring people together from different backgrounds, different situations, different circumstances. Uh, they have different likes and dislikes. I had a group of guys in my church in Fremont every Sunday night in the summer. After we had church, we'd get done, we'd fellowship for a little bit, and they say, hey, listen, we're going to go fishing. You want to go with us, Pastor? No, I don't want to go fishing. And we're going to go out fishing, go fishing at like 2 o'clock in the morning? No, I don't want to go. It'll be like a great time. No, I don't want to go. We got food to eat? No, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And it was just like, that was who they were. Like, I had no desire to do that. Well, they loved it. They had like five or six guys, never missed a service, but they'd load up and go out and do that. I mean, it was just like interesting how God can bring different people together. And that's what a good church is. You know, a church is in one location, and in that one location, you have all different kinds of people. It is interesting how the Apostle Paul, who had been in a bunch of different locations, said, I'm taken from you in presence, but not in heart. Now, some of you folks need to learn something that's really important, and all of us need to have it re-emphasized to it, and it's found right there in verse 17. He says, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart. And what, the lesson we have to learn from verse 17 is there's a heart to the ministry. There's a head to the ministry, absolutely. Absolutely. There's hands, there's labor to the ministry. But there's something we can't, we, we can't like instruct you. You've got you've to catch this. There's a heart to the ministry. There, there's people, real people, real needs, 
real situations, real heartaches. And the Apostle Paul said, I miss you in my heart. Boy, that's precious, isn't it? I mean, that's precious. Uh, when we left uh, Fremont uh, to move down here after being there 26 years, uh, the people in the church said the next Sunday when we weren't going to be there, they said it was the same feeling in the church as we used to have when somebody had died in the church and you know you had to go to church the next Sunday just because it was your responsibility to be there, to go there, but you knew there was going to be a big hole. That's what he's talking about when he says, in heart. In heart. Some people never learn what it's like to give their heart in the ministry. They just give their body. They give their mind, they give their ability, they give their talents, they give who they are. They want to be praised, they want to be put on a pedestal, they want to be lifted up. But what we sincerely need is somebody that says, just like the Apostle Paul, I'm not there, but I want to be there. I care that much about you folks. I want to see you saved, I want to see you growing, I want to see you living for the Lord, I want to see you make right decisions, I want to see you go on for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I have a heart for you in the ministry. That's one of the great blessings of the ministry. There is joy in serving Jesus. We live in a different day and age where it seems like everything in our society kind of takes our heart away from it. We don't really care about anything, we just kind of care about ourselves. That's the only thing we're really concerned about. If we get ahead, if we prosper, if everything's all right, us four and no more, you know, me and mine get ours, we're fine. But here's the Apostle Paul. He said, I want to be there in heart. I hope when you get in the ministry, young people, you'll realize uh, that they'll forget your great singing ability, but they will never forget your heart. They will never forget somebody that cares for them, that is concerned about them, that has their best interest in mind. I think it's just such a classic line. We've uh, taken the ministry sometimes and we've reduced it to a career, to a profession. I understand it. I understand where it's coming from. But you know what? As I read the New Testament, what I see everywhere is, is a heart, is an absolute heart, somebody that cares for people. I've told this story before, so I run the risk of the preacher boys pointing out to me how many times I tell the same illustrations. But anyway, I'll tell it because I still like it. It's a good story. I used to say in Nebraska, I've been here 26 years. We're going to have to repeat some stories. But anyway, I was sitting in the back of church. We only had two children at the time. My wife was over at the house. We had just finished the Sunday morning service. Back in the early days there, church got done at 12. The building was cleared out at 12.01, not the sign of a good church. And so I was about there about 12.05, and I was having a little pity party, but the Lord wasn't participating. But I was having a good old-fashioned pity party. I was complaining, like, there's got to be a better place. There's got to be someplace else. And as I was sitting there, waiting for the dinner bell to be rung. We didn't have a little dinner bell. I was sitting there. A guy walked into the back of church. Hadn't been in church that morning. In fact, this is early on, but in the 26 years I was there, he came in the building about five, six, or seven times. Anyway, he sat down. He said, Pastor looking, could I ask you a question? I said, sure. And he asked me a question. He said, I'm having this problem, having this situation. Could you help me? So we talked about it for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, something like that had a word of prayer. I'd like to tell you that 
He came, got saved, got baptized, came, came to the church, tithed, gave the faith promise, gave us a new car, but he didn't. But I tell you what he did do. When he left, the Lord said, you know what? There's a ministry here if you'll care enough about it to go get it. If you'll have enough of a heart for it, there's a ministry here. You know, God can take some pretty unusual people to teach you some really important lessons. And can I just say, as I belabor the point just a little bit, you're in danger as a young person of caring more about yourself than anybody else. Now, that's a danger for everybody because we're human and we're flesh. I understand that. And I've met a lot of people in the ministry that it seemed to me like the only person they cared about was themselves. And I understand that. But I'm just saying, if you're not careful, we can be captured by this self-generation where it's all about me. It's all about mine. It's all about who I am. That's not the attitude of the Apostle Paul. That's not the attitude of somebody that serves the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not the attitude of somebody that is effective for the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you see that in verse 17, even though he wasn't there in body, he was still there in heart. That's an amazing statement. And secondly, in verse 17, he still wanted to see them. He wanted to see them again. There's joy in serving Jesus, number one, because they accept the word, number two, because they follow the word, number two, because of the closeness of the ministry, the closeness of the church, number four, because there's battles in the church. Seems like a strange point, but it's right in the text. Do you see it in verse 18? Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us, but Satan hindered us. Here's the great apostle Paul, faithful servant of many years. And he says that even at this time, even at this church, church planting, trying to make a difference, there's still a battle. There's going to be a battle. I think that tells us that there's joy in serving Jesus because it, it, it counts enough, it's important enough that there's going to be battles. There's going to be struggles in the midst of it. There's going to be challenges along the way. Now, I don't like challenges. I try to avoid them. I've spent my entire life trying to avoid them. If there's a difficulty, I like to go the other way. If there's something that's hard, I try to figure out how I can get up in the morning and avoid that which is hard. I think we're all built that way, aren't we? But here he said this, I wanted to come, but Satan hindered us. And I find the other phrase in that verse 18, once and again, a continual hindering. Can I just warn you about having your whole life planned out? How many times have you been sitting in church? I know as a pastor, I've sat in church a bunch and had somebody on missionary deputation get up and give their missionary testimony. You ever heard these testimonies? He said, when I was a little kid, I told God I'd do anything but go to, well, fill in the blank, but usually it's Africa. And then they would say, what were they doing in my church? What were they doing in my church? They're on their deputation going to Africa. It's just kind of funny. You know, now, now I understand I understand that I'm just trampling on some of you because you've got everything all planned out and you've got all figured out and anytime somebody rains on your parade, you get a little concerned about it. But anyway, uh, just can we just 
follow the Lord? And can we realize that in the midst of following the Lord, there's going to be some battles. There's going to be some disappointments. There's going to be some heartaches. There's going to be some people that you thought were really going to turn off for the Lord, but they don't. I used to say all the time in church, and when I pastored there, I said, listen, it discourages me, but I'm not going to quit just because they discourage me. It bothers me. I'm concerned about them. They won't talk to me. They ghosted me. But at the same time, I'm not going to quit just because of them. In other words, to me, all the battle indicates is that what we're doing is really important. What we're doing is significant. There's joy in serving Jesus because there's a battle there. There's a battle. Satan tried to hinder the work. All that teaches me is the work is so important and so vital that there will always be opposition. There's always going to be opposition. I don't think you can function without opposition. When I first went to Nebraska, they told me I tried to get some nursing home ministries going. They told me there was no way we could get any, in, in, into any of the nursing homes without joining the ministerial association. I said, never going to join the ministerial association. So I spent a couple, a couple months trying to figure out how to get bypass that thing. And so I did. We started going during the day to this nursing home and that nursing home. I know they're building nursing homes in Fremont like crazy. Uh, I think there's like 10 to 15. Uh, this is before COVID. They're coming back after COVID. But when we were just at the end of our ministry there, we had a ministry in every single nursing home in the entire city of Fremont. So don't tell me it can't be done. Just realize there's going to be some battles. There's going to be some difficulties. There is joy in serving Jesus. And number five, there is joy in serving Jesus, verses 19 and 20. Follow with me. Verse 19, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Number five is souls for your labor. Souls for your labor. I'm just a little concerned. I'll just have to be honest with you. I'm a little concerned that we have de-emphasized soul winning to such an extent. And we're offended at people that actually go out and go soul winning that we're content with not having any results from soul winning. I know that was a long sentence, but still. He said, what is our glory and joy? He said, you are. He said, you got reached. You got saved. Here it is. I grew up in a home just like you, most of you. I never missed a service. I didn't know what it was like to miss church. A couple times when I was a little kid, I tried to convince my dad it was a good time to miss church. He was totally against that. I never got to miss church. I didn't know what it was like. I liked that lifestyle. That's the way we raised our kids. But can you tell you something? The entire world isn't like that. And somewhere, sometimes, somebody's got to get a burden for all kinds of people out there in the world that are growing up in terrible home situations. And somebody has to rise up and say, listen, let's reach somebody. Let's go out and knock on some doors. Let's try to reach somebody with the gospel. Let's take the gospel to people. Let's have fellowship. Let's have our family time. Let's have all the things that we have to have in this day and age. Let's have the husband-wife date night every week. I understand all of this. But somewhere in the midst of all that, can we still try to reach people? 
Can we still try to see people saved? Can we still try to take the gospel to people? He said, well, nobody cares. Well, I tell you what, somebody that gets reached with the gospel will care. Somebody that gets saved, you could change the entire direction of a family just by taking the gospel to them. My wife and I, were, we went to a, a, a preacher's meeting. It was when we were down here. Dr. Beale was a preacher's meeting, and Dr. Beale couldn't go to it till like Wednesday, so we were, we were supposed to go Monday and Tuesday, so we went down Monday and Tuesday. There was like supper, and the preacher, there was like 100 preachers there. And the guy got up, I know his name, but I won't give his name, and he was preaching, good message, and he was saying this, and it was just a classic line, and so I told him to get offended at this line, cause, but I still think it's a classic line. He said, man, he says, I hear some of the best expository preaching I have ever heard in my life today. Everybody's saying amen. He says, man, they've got it exegeted and diagrammed and outlined. I mean, it's impressive. And then he goes, but? And I thought, well, now it's going to get good. Because they were like amen and pretty good up to that point. He says, but I hear it in some of the deadest churches I've ever seen in my life. Nobody said amen to that point. I said amen, but it was real quiet amen, you know. Ah, maybe it was a silent amen. I don't know what it was, you know. I like seeing people get saved. I like taking the gospel to people. And I really think we have to ask ourselves, here's the Apostle Paul. He said there's joy in serving Jesus because you got saved. You got saved. You got saved. I think that's exciting. Well, we got to rerun another one of my stories, but 2003, we had a revival meeting. Two girls got saved. You'd call them bus kids, teenage girls. One was in ninth grade, the other was in 10th grade. They got saved on a Sunday morning. Neither one had ever been in our building. First one saved in their family. Uh, depends how you... Depends how you look at it, but probably close to, just about still 20 years later, the only one saved in their family. But you know what those two are doing? They're still living for the Lord Jesus Christ. They're still living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Didn't even know what a church was when they came into it. Can I tell you, I love that story. Because there's just no end to it of trying to reach people. There is joy in serving Jesus. Are there going to be hard times? Yes, there will. Going to be disappointing times? Unfortunately. Going to be times you want to quit? Yes. But I can just tell you this, on the authority of the Bible, there is joy in serving Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today, for all you've done for us. Lord, I pray that you take and use the word of God in our hearts and lives. Help us, Lord, to be faithful, to be obedient to you. Lord, as we consider the work that you've called us to, as we consider what you're trying to do in our hearts and lives, Lord, give us a heart for the ministry and help us to realize that there is joy in serving Jesus. Help us never to allow the discouragements of life to drive us away. Help us never to allow the disappointments in the ministry to defeat us. But, Lord, help us to trust in you. Thank you, Lord, that no matter what, there is still joy in serving Jesus. Help us, Lord, to dedicate ourselves to that cause today. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.